It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Who wants to talk sports? Who wants to talk Super Bowl? Who wants to talk NFL? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host, John Riley, from our Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Studios in San Diego. We welcome you to our Thursday podcast, our Super Bowl preview as we kick off the great sports weekend and we go towards Super Bowl Sunday. Our podcast is brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Centers, nine locations to serve you. You have projects for 2024. We invite you to find out what they have to offer at Dixie Line and by North County Eye Centers of Poway and Escondido. We all will need help with our eyesight down road when that time comes or if it's right now, think North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido. John, we have talked NFL football since back in July. <laughs> yes, we have. It has been nonstop. This is going to be fascinating. This is going to be great. we got so many things to cover as it relates to the Super Bowl, matchups, coaches, quarterbacks, players, tendencies, etc. Before we start, a reminder for everybody about what we have created for 2024, Hacksaw's Insiders Group. Hacksaw's Insiders Group. So yeah, you could be a part of it. Go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com. In the upper right corner is an orange box. Box. Just drop your email in that in that box. We'll get you on the list. We're sending out the best 15 minutes in sports. Plus, we've got a lot of great things planned for 2024. So join us. And if you like sports, check my website. That's the address up top, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. I write on it every day of the week. If you check it every morning, you'll know everything there is in the world of sports. We also invite you to subscribe so you'll get the alerts every time we put something new up on our podcast. And share. Tell all your friends who we are, where we are. Feel free to spread the word. And if you can, because I don't have any friends and nobody likes him, (laughs) give us a thumbs up and give us a five-star rating because that helps us a great deal. John, Super Bowl Sunday, you couldn't have written a better script for what we're going to see. Oh, yeah. Two great teams, two great quarterbacks. This is going to be a matchup. We got topics everywhere. Let's start, first of all, with that headline. I do believe this is going to be a shootout. These teams have gotten here because they've earned it here, and it wasn't easy here. You do recall early Kansas City, all those turnovers. They did not look like the franchise that we had come to expect under Andy Reid. We had San Francisco with a blazing start, and they hit a wall. Three really ugly losses in a row Mm. at midseason. But here's a Chiefs team that solved its problems. Chiefs team that stopped turning the football over. They won in Buffalo. They won in Baltimore. They did beat up Miami. Uh, they wiped out a 3-3 three and three stretch at the end of the regular season because at the most important time of the year, they reverted back to vintage Kansas City Chiefs football. Niners have won nine of their last ten. Now, I don't count the last game of the season where they sat everybody. Right. But nine and one. Finishing strong. Now, we'll tell you, midseason, people's eyes were open when they weren't doing very well, but they hit the finish line sprinting. Seven and two on the road, and then the come-from-behind wins at the most important time of the year against Green Bay and against Detroit. So, did you think Kansas City Frisco would be the ones that would get here? Is there somebody else that you thought might have gotten here? Because we did have a whole bunch of teams in a quadrant by themselves that were really exceptional, and a whole bunch of them didn't get here. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not so much surprised about the Niners because they've been dominant all year, but Kansas City got off to a weird start. We were thinking, okay, maybe the tide is turning. Maybe this is Lamar Jackson's era. Maybe the Bills finally break through. So the Chiefs getting here surprised me, but then in a weird way, it doesn't surprise me, right? The, the biggest shocker? Philadelphia going in reverse gear. Oh, yeah. Collapse of the season. Uh, Last we checked a year ago this weekend, we were talking about them in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, we thought the Eagles were going to be better. We thought the Cowboys were going to be better. We had no idea the Lions were going to be this good. Um, And in the AFC, I think, you know, the Bengals disappointed us. They had a lot of injuries to Joe Burrow. So, yeah, there are a lot of unexpected things that happened this year. But we, you know, we got to see some teams in the playoffs that have never been there before, like the Texans. On we go. We got a lot of time. Topics to talk about. Where do you want to start? Okay, well, we got to start with the the head coaches, right? I mean, this is where it all starts. Mad scientist versus old school. That's that's pretty good headline there. Reed Shanahan. Andy Reed is twenty five and sixteen in the playoffs. You know how hard it is to win in postseason football. There's nobody that's twenty five and sixteen except Andy Reed. His career record is two eighty three and one sixty. This is greatness. And how good is he? He had 140 wins in Philadelphia, 143 wins now with the Kansas City Chiefs. He has just reinvented himself. Wow. And the other facet about greatness in a coach is not only just the accomplishments on the field, John, it's his coaching tree. You know, we had stretches of time. We had guys that came off Tom Landry's tree, and then we had guys that came off the Holmgren tree. This guy's got assistant coaches everywhere in the NFL now who are head coaches or red-hot coordinators. So that's the sign of something really special. You know, and it's interesting because we've been talking about Belichick extensively. And Belichick's tree has a lot of dead leaves on it. Mm. None of his assistant coaches have turned into anything. And yet where Andy Reid has directed guys, they've gone and had success. Mike Shanahan's son, Kyle. Now, Kyle was with Mike all along his coaching career, starting as a ball boy, becoming an administrative assistant, quality control, assistant coach, etc. Kyle Shanahan is 8-3 in postseason. Again, it's so hard to win in the playoffs. He's 72-54 and overall. Hell, he might be a better coach than his father was a coach. And Mike Shanahan did a pretty good job, probably going to wind up in the Hall of Fame. Kyle Shanahan has had to work his way back from postseason disappointments. San Francisco, first time around. Before that, the debacle in Atlanta. You do remember the 28-3 lead that evaporated? Yeah. So he's he's gone through some tough learning curves in the postseason. But we got old school versus the mad scientist that is Andy Reid. And I think the most amazing thing to me, for all the years that Andy Reid's been in this, he has been able to transition from all types of different styles of offense to modern-day offense. I mean, it's it's fabulous to me. Thoughts on the coaches? Yeah, well, we, we've always uh, um, applauded Andy Reid's genius. In fact, I can tell that you have a certain fandom of him. I mean, because of what he's done and kind of his innovation, right? Yeah, exactly. Just um, to sit there and, and see the creative juice that he brings to postseason play or to see what his record is coming off a of bye week. Or to see what his record is the week after they lose a game. I mean, the statistics are mind-boggling. Uh, just what he accomplishes and how he responds to what he has just experienced. He's so different. Shanahan 
lot of old school um, sledgehammer football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, We're going to run the damn ball and we're going to play great (laughs) defense. And yeah, man, we'll attack you down the field. But you know what you're getting when you're playing the 49ers. You're going to get punched in the mouth. Oh, yeah. It's it's. It's the substance of Shanahan versus the sizzle of what Andy Reid's got to offer. Yeah, I think it's exciting. I mean, it's interesting, too, like the legacy of the Shanahan family. But I just go always think about Andy Reid when he was a little kid. He was in that NFL punt passing kick yeah. contest. And he looked like this big ogre, you know, amongst all these little kids. He was but an you, offensive guard. Yeah. <laughs> but you could tell that, he, you know, the football has been everything to him since he was a little kid. And I don't know what he was like as a player. I don't know if he played competitively in college. Or, or in the NFL. I don't think he did, did he? He came off the Lavelle Edwards tree. That's where some of his creative instinct comes from. Huh. He was at BYU as a rotation backup offensive lineman, but he sucked in all this information about offenses and quarterbacks. And this is when Lavelle Edwards was there with the McMahons and the Steve Youngs really? and the Robbie Boscos. Yeah. I had no idea. Yes. Oh, cool. So, yeah, it's just interesting to see his life because a lot of times coaches, they're players and they go, coach, this guy has been the mind of football for yeah. decades. Well said. He's earned it. He mm-hmm. has really earned it. Special, special guy. But there are a lot of good guys on those coaching steps. Next question. Okay, so let's go over here. Dr. Blitz versus Mr. Pressure. (laughs) We're talking about the defensive coordinators, Steve Spagnuolo, Steve Wilkes. It's odd. They're both really bright guys in terms of schemes. And then you got to have athletes to make the schemes work, but they've been able to get those athletes there. But both of them failed as head coaches. Spagnuolo was with the Rams, and that was a bad experience. Wilkes had been in Carolina. That was a bad experience. So after they got fired, they stepped back. They got hired, rehired, became defensive assistants, elevated back up to defensive coordinators where they used to be. And you got Spagnuolo, who's done a phenomenal job in about three years. They have changed the persona of Kansas City Chief football. It used to be known for its quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Now it's known also for its defense. Yes. You go back and look at what they've done. Look at that roster, what they've done in the draft in terms of changing the personality of chief defense. They went out and they got guys who could run. I mean, they got a phenomenal collection of athletes. I would say defensively, this might be the best Kansas City defense of all time. And that says a lot going all the way back to the Hank Stram era. Steve Wilkes got bounced around, you know, failed. Uh, got fired after one crummy year, uh, Arizona, winds up coming back here to San Francisco, and he he now is in place of the last great defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans. Aha. And D'Amico Ryans replaced the past defensive coordinator, Robert Saleh. Those guys went on to be head coaches, yeah, Jets in Houston, and have done okay. So Wilkes comes back in there and does a good job. Spagnola's defense is second in the NFL in overall defense, fourth in the NFL in pass defense, and they blitz. And they blitz, and they blitz more. 63 sacks, 20 takeaways. They just dial it up, and they send people from everywhere. Just ask the quarterbacks have knocked out of the playoffs to begin with. Yes. Uh, exotic blitz packages coupled with team speed. So Spags has done a really good job. Uh, Wilkes defense, 50 sacks, 33 takeaways, number three in run defense. You can't run the football against that front. And number eight in overall defense, 303 yards per game. They just make it hard for you to go on long drives because they're always putting you in third and long situations. 
They have given up chunk plays. In the two playoff games, Green Bay's Jordan Love kind of picked them apart. Mm. And he would throw underneath and then have yards after catch. Detroit just lined it up and knocked him off the ball, which is kind of surprising. Detroit ran for 182. But they are brute force. And based on some of the critique that Wilkes has had of his players after the two playoff wins, the come-from-behind wins that they had to have because the defense didn't hold up, i got to believe they're going to show up on Sunday, and they're just going to have a different mentality in this uh, Super Bowl game. So these are two, as, as bright lights as the head coaches are, these are two really cool guys in terms of, here's our defensive package. I dare you to stop us. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Spagnola, you see him on the sidelines, and just like the picture there on the screen, he's always like huddled up, <laughs> got the, the beanie, and, and he just looks like a grumpy old man out there. But he is a genius as yeah. well. So when you look at these two defenses, I mean, should we be looking at Fred Warner? Should we be looking at Chris Jones? Or do you think we're going to see some other players here surprise us on defense? I just wonder whether the secondaries can hold up. But then maybe the secondaries don't have to hold up just because of the fact that pass rush and the blitz packages are so extreme. Mm. You know, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw are really great linebackers. And you, you couple them behind a very physical front, and suddenly San Francisco, they, they really worry you because they, they'll just mug you. Kansas City does it with Chris Jones, but Kansas City does it with unbelievable speed. And they're sending guys from every direction you know, I can't imagine being a quarterback in a pre-snap read before the ball is snapped trying to read that defense and figure out, all right, where's the, where's the blitz coming? Is it coming from Tranquil, the blitz linebacker, or is it coming from Ladera or Sneed, the mm-hmm. safety? And they just send them and send them and send them. And then if they don't send them, they drop them back. All of a sudden you got Chris Jones in your face and you're trying to throw <laughs> into eight-man coverage. So right. I'm, I'm a football geek. I watch formations. I watch all this well, I know. Stuff. I, I've sat down with you watching a game yes. and you look at it differently than the average fan. <laughs> yeah. I am colorblind and weird. Okay, so... Two great defensive coordinators. Keep that in mind. Next question. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the guys that built these two teams. Unsung heroes. Uh, the architects of dynasties. And I think you can call Kansas City a dynasty. You know John Lynch Jr. Uh, he, of course, has taken over and done a phenomenal job creating a very competitive environment with the San Francisco 49ers. And this is a guy that's not afraid to gamble. You know, he had Jimmy Garoppolo and said goodbye. He drafted Trey Lance, traded up to get him. A year and a half in said, this doesn't work. He's gone, traded him, and then he drafted Mr. Irrelevant. And Brock Purdy manages games and can win some games for you. John Lynch knows football IQ. Not afraid to pay a big price. Traded for Christian McCaffrey Mm. in a fire sale deal from Carolina. Most complete running back MVP candidate in the NFL. Traded for unhappy defensive end Chase Young, who had a couple of good years with the Washington Commanders. Then he got hurt, hasn't quite gotten back, but he's got no fear of making deals. And they went in the free agent market, and they didn't have a lot of cap space, and yet he convinced uh, Javon Hargrove to come from Philadelphia. He comes to San Francisco, and then the draft. Depot Sanyo, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Bosa, Armstead. This guy knows football talent. That's why the John Lynch Jr. is in the Hall of Fame. Right on. And, of course, he's from here, Torrey Pines and Stanford, Tampa Bay, Pro Football Hall of Fame. The other guy not a lot of people don't know about, Brett Veach. He's been there hand-in-hand with Andy Reid <coughs> for an extended period of time. He rebuilt this defense. Do you know when, when that defense goes on the field Sunday, 
Eight of the 11 starters in the defense for Kansas City are their own draft picks. Hmm. Drafted, hit on them, and they've all been successful, and they all fit Spagnuolo's system. You know, names I'll throw at you that you're going to recognize. Trent McDuffie, cornerback. Hmm. George Karlaftis, defensive end. Willie Gay, LSU, inside yeah. linebacker. Yeah. Nick Bolton, linebacker. Legereus Sneed, Justin Reed. And then the most recent draft picks, Rishi Rice and Isaiah Pacheco. Hey, those guys are good. Exactly. And they have rebuilt the offensive line. And the offensive line right now is not, John is not playing real well. Uh, they spent a chunk of money to get Donovan Smith from Tampa Bay at left tackle. They picked up Juwan Taylor from right tackle from Baltimore. Big guy, most penalized tackle in the NFL. And they don't have Joe Thurney, who they got from the Patriots. So if there's a glitch right now, it's just the offensive line has not played up to what they thought it would be for the prices they paid. But in the big picture, it's just not Patrick Mahomes anymore. It's a really good football team. And Veach, Veach and Andy Reid work hand-in-hand hand as to... Sight, scope, sign, the guys they want. So your thoughts on the GMs? Yeah, I mean, both spectacular guys. I mean, I think what they're pulling off is fantastic. But I want to talk about, you made a comment about the idea of a dynasty, you know, and if either of these teams are dynasties. And I was watching the Channel 8 CBS local news, John Howard. You know, he said, you got to win at least three to be a dynasty. I mean, what's your take on that? Kansas City's knocking the door, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, doggone close to being a dynasty. Now, dynasty. Lombardi's Packers, Dynasty, all things Belichick, Patriots. Kansas City's got two rings, so they're trying to get third. So they're headed headed in that direction. So it, it it's interesting. The word dynasty has kind of become a cheap coin phrase, gets tossed around a lot. To me, dynasty is you got to do it over a long period of time. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, Steelers in the 70s, exactly. the 49ers in the 80s, the Cowboys in the 90s. Maybe, maybe. the Raider Nation somewhere in there. Yeah, they had their moments. Um, but, yeah, you know, I'm not sure which one. If you, It's kind of hard. It's a subjective thing. The other comment I want to uh, ask you about is... John Lynch, you worked for his father. Yes. So did you ever interact with John Lynch Jr. when he was a young child? Well, he was a quarterback at Stanford. Actually, they put together a highlight film, him being a quarterback, and I voice-tracked it for them. And it was kind of cool. And then John got hurt his oh. senior year. Mm-hmm. I think he broke his leg or his ankle. And anyhow, he wound up going to Stanford. And instead of being a quarterback, they had him a safety and— you know the rest of the story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I went to Tampa Bay. It was just a phenomenal player. Heady. Tough guy, but heady. Smart. And, and obviously went to the Denver Broncos and finished up there and and then dabbled in TV once he retired. And bingo, all of a sudden, he's back in the front office of the 49ers. And that last last time I talked to him, which is prior to the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh-huh. induction. It's cool. Yeah. What he, a great career. Yeah. You talk about... Hometown boy makes good. And he still has a lot of miles left on him. He's still a young man. Yeah. Yeah. What a job they've done. What a phenomenal job they've done constructing rosters because it's not easy. I mean, you got you got talent, but then you got injuries. And then you got you may have problems off the field. And then you got salary cap. I mean, oh, it's yeah. tough to be a modern day NFL general manager because there's so many factors that can impact who you are. Plus, you, you need to have a philosophy, right? You know, as far as how you're going to construct a team and what you want to be known for, because every GM kind of has their own idea of what success is supposed to be. Yeah. And linking with the coach and what the coach thinks is important is how you to win 
and what you think might be important. But I, I, in all honesty, uh, Lynch and Shanahan just seem to be the ideal couple in terms of football, you know, tackle, hit, make plays. But you got to stay healthy. Right. And you, you can't have bad citizens. And so they've hit on all cylinders, much like Brett Veach has hit on all the cylinders with the creative genius that Andy Reid is. Well, I, I'm one thing I'll give Veach a lot of credit for is I thought that the Chiefs were going to be doomed when Tyreek Hill walked out the door or when they traded him. Excuse me. That was a cap issue. They had to. But they, they got all these picks from Miami. I think there's three starters that came in that trade. Yeah. A chunk of that defense is by virtue of the Tyreek Hill trade. Yeah, so they came out ahead in that, I think. Exactly. Win-win. Okay, so we've talked about all, all, the, all the specific things as it relates to GMs and coaches and coordinators, but it's still a quarterback's game. <laughs> yes, it is. And, and these two guys have been talking about them all year. They're so different, but yet they both win. Great headline. Number one versus number 262. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes sitting on that board. Came out of Texas Tech. A lot of people of the opinion, eh, he's a systems quarterback. He fits that system. He might not be able to do it in the NFL. When I first saw Patrick Mahomes watching him on TV with Kansas City, and I said, Jesus, this guy goes against the rules of what quarterbacks are. You're not supposed to break the pocket. You're not supposed to throw on the run. You're not supposed to throw across your body. What's his sidearm shtick? You're throwing underhand? And he kept completing all these passes, and you say, holy cow. A, he doesn't get hit. B, he's amazingly accurate. How cool is this guy? And then you got Brock Purdy, number 262. This is the more modern-day coming of what Tom Brady became. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's absolutely amazing. We don't know how good Purdy's going to be in the big picture in the course of his career. You see glitches, you say, uh-oh, they figured him out. Uh-oh, he's turning the ball over. Uh-oh, he can't handle the pressure in the pocket. And he's not the athlete that Mahomes is, but yet he manages games. Okay, here are the vital statistics. Mahomes... Almost 5,000 yards passing this season, 31 touchdowns in the playoffs against San Francisco, against other teams. This playoff series, he's got four touchdowns, no picks, one sack in the three wins that they've had, Kansas City's had. And they've won in tough venues. Mm. I mean, you win in Buffalo against the Bills on the weatherman. You win in Baltimore against all things Ravens. That's pretty impressive. So three playoff games, four TDs, no picks. Mahomes against San Francisco, 3-0, nine touchdowns, three interceptions. He sees the 49er red. His quarterback rating is 116. That's that's against pretty good San Francisco 49er (laughs) team. Mahomes' career, 78-19, in the postseason. In the postseason where... Dummy said it's so hard to win. Not for him, 14-3. and Brock Purdy, almost 4,800 yards passing, 33 touchdowns a year and a half into his career. Uh, In the playoffs so far, two touchdowns, an interception, three quarterback sacks this season and postseason. Brock Purdy, I don't know if you call him a stud or just a guy that manages the games but manages to make plays. He's 24-5 and in his career. He's 4-1 and one in the playoffs. Uh, he's got five touchdowns and only one interception in his five playoff games. So the stage for Brock Purdy doesn't seem to be all overwhelming. So you got you got the really established hired gun in Mahomes, 
and you got Purdy who's developing himself. I, it's too early to say he's the next Tom Brady, but to be picked 262 and be playing at this elite level, 116 rating in the playoffs, wow. Yeah, wow, exactly right. You know, and you were just talking about the defensive schemes and all the blitzes and the pressure they're doing. You know, you kind of get a general sense that Mahomes is going to be able to pick that up. He's going to be able to read and react properly. But you wonder if Purdy can. But then Purdy is just like this brainiac, you know, and he can see things before they happen. Maybe his naivete is going to allow him to be a lot more confident in the Super Bowl than we expect. I think that, that Purdy is going to face something that's going to be enormously challenging. Uh, and now we have to see, can he cope with what Kansas City will do? Because Kansas City will do some things. Mahomes has seen everything. Yeah. I don't think anything bothers Mahomes. <laughs> I'll just make the play. And we're going to talk about specific matchups going forward. But I just don't think you can spring anything on Mahomes that he has not experienced already because he's played so many games and has had so much success. Did you did you see um, – I saw it like in one of the media days. Someone asked Brock Purdy that, have you heard the rumor that's circulating on the internet that he looks like Lee Harvey Oswald? Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I'm not going there. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of stupid stuff that gets says at Media Day, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of stupid people are allowed access to Media Day, and I wonder why that's possible. Okay, let's move on. Okay, let's move on. The big board here, Lee, I mean, who has the edge? Okay, we got, these are the matchups. And it, this whole thing is about matchups, just not what the coach calls, what the quarterback executes, but it's who wins the one-on-one battles. Uh, let, let's talk about the pass catchers. Uh, you know, I, I I said three weeks ago when we went to Wild Card Weekend, who can Patrick Mahomes trust? Because it's been such an up and down erratic season. And I said he's going to trust Kelsey, and maybe he'll find one other receiver that he can throw to that'll catch some balls. And it's kind of worked out that way. It's Kelsey, it's Rishi Rice, and they've started to run the ball a little bit better with Isaac Pacheco. My only concern about Kansas City is can they protect him? Because that offensive front has not played really well. And in terms of Purdy, he comes to the line of scrimmage and he points. And he's pointing at Kansas City. Pick your poison. Who do you think you're going to defend? Exactly. Because Purdy looks around behind him and he's got CMC at running back. He's got Debo. He's got Ayuk. He's got Kittle. Uh, is Kansas City going to be able to defend all that? Who are they going to take away? So that's going to be fun to see if Mahomes has more than one or two guys he can actually trust against a good Niner defense and then to see how Purdy distributes the football because I don't think Kansas City can cover everybody. Yeah, no way. So that's going to be interesting. Okay, let's talk about the wide receivers. Uh, Rishi Rice, 99 catches in a breakout season, 12 touchdowns. I can't trust Marquez Scantling. I just don't know that Kansas City has got reliable second and th- or third, get fourth guys that they're going to go to. Debo, 70 catches, 12 touchdowns. Ayuk, 81 catches, 8 touchdowns. And then you got the, the jet sweeps that they run with those wide receivers. So that, that wide receiver core for San Francisco is different and dynamic. I just don't know Kansas City's got enough wide receivers. Tight ends, Kelsey. 116 catches, 13 touchdowns. He's averaging 11 yards per catch. And after he catches it, he points up to Travis Swift in the owner's box. Kittle, he's got 65 receptions, 7 touchdowns. He's kind of the third link in the pass-catching core. Running backs, 
CMC Christian McCaffrey, 2,283 all-purpose yards, 25 touchdowns. He can run it, he can catch it, and he'll blitz block for you. Pacheco, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Pacheco's the heavy-duty guy. Hilaire becomes kind of the third-down guy, and they've just added back the speed guy, Jarek McKinnon, who's been on injured reserve for about a month, and he's kind of a third-down, catch-the-ball-the-backfield, dart-and-dash type guy. So McCaffrey, obviously, is the, the dominant one. Pass rush, Chris Jones, complimented by the blitz package, complimented by the linebackers, complimented by Legereus Sneed, who comes from the secondary. Their pass rush is superb. Frisco pass rush, that is Nick Bosa. And then the guys that they send on blitzes, Warner, Dre Greenlaw, they just overpower you, though, in the defensive front. Here's the wild card, the kickers. Harrison Butker, 40 for 42 on field goals. Rock solid experience from long distance. He makes things happen, and he's really trustworthy. If I'm Frisco, I'm concerned about Jake Moody. It was 24 for 30 in field goals, but he missed seven kicks, including point afters. Mm -hmm. And we got to the postseason. He looked a little skitterish, a little jumpy. I, I guess the question I have, is the stage too big for him Super Bowl Sunday? Because in pressurized situation down the stretch, he missed field goals, and he missed what should have been chip shot point afters. Okay, keys to the game. Well, before I do keys to the game, you just give me your response to the wide receivers, the tight ends, the running backs, pass rush. Well, th- this is great. I mean, the way this is all sorting out. Well, first of all, I think, you know, you're right. The, the, the Niners have all these weapons. Not sure who Mahomes is going to trust, but I just see him always like third down, scrambling, and then the field opens up, and then he's got 30, mile, uh, 30 yards of free space to run through. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of that. Oh, we? he has free space to wait for Travis Kelsey to run into that zone and drop the ball to him. Exactly. You know, but but then I, I look at all these other players. I think Pacheco has really impressed me. That dude just it just has this motor. The legs just don't stop. He's so wiry, so strong. I mean, he could have a really great game. Uh, but the kickers is an interesting one because I remember when the Niners played in that three-game losing streak, they lost to the Browns, and Moody missed a field goal at the end of the game to win it. So, yeah, maybe the stage is too big. Uh, keys to the game. Let's talk about this. You know one thing about Andy Reid. He'll wear that big red jacket. And he'll show you things formation-wise that you haven't seen before. And that's what these playoffs are all about. He runs motion packages. Then from Kansas City's perspective, do they go tempo to try to wear down that 49er defense? You know, Kansas City's mindset, I think, has changed during the Tyreek Hill era. Down the field, down the field, down the field. Here, much more patience. That's okay. We'll take it in chunks of 8 and 12 or 17 yards. Throw to the tight end and throw to the receiver I can trust, and we'll just methodically keep you on the field. And then sometimes they go tempo, and they wipe you out because, you know, you can't substitute because they're at the line of scrimmage snapping the ball. Watch for that. Uh, And I'll be intrigued to see when they look at the game films of what the Niners struggled with against Detroit and Green Bay, if they go after them in that same area. Will they run some, some things how you block the run because Detroit stomped them 
beat them off the line of scrimmage and just push the ball down the field. Will Kansas City try to do some of that creative blocking because they saw something that San Francisco could not handle in those prior playoff games? I think Kansas City's defense has got to get Purdy off his spot. You know, Purdy, Purdy, I'm not going to say he panics. He's got people around him. He'll spin out and try to get away. But when he spins out, he loses his accuracy and then is only looking at half the field. So will Kansas City try to move him off his spot? The Niners, they're going to pressure him. They're going to pressure Mahomes. And maybe it's just force, brute force pass rush, or maybe they send those linebackers. The key, though, they got to keep him in the pocket. They can't let him break containment or do some creative stuff because when he gets into space, as you say, A, he can run. Mm -hmm. B, as I said, that's Kelsey waiting for him to come open. Right. They have a chemistry. They're a mindset there. So does San Francisco double Kelsey and then just dare Pacheco and whatever young wide receivers don't drop the ball to hold up? Be fascinating, but keys to the game, what Kansas City's tempo does to San Francisco and how do you get to the quarterback how do you do it if you're Green Bay? I mean, how do you do it if you're trying to get, to get to Purdy? How do you do it if you're trying to get to Mahomes? And how do those guys handle it? What do you think is the biggest key to the game? Well, I, I, this is crazy. I mean, the way this whole thing's going out, because you're not sure if we're going to see the Patrick Mahomes, the magic man, all those, the magic dust, the things that he does that makes him so dynamic. My heart is in it for the Niners because that's that's my childhood team. But I still think that Kansas City is going to win. I think you got the Vegas, you got the big stage, you got uh, seriously. I think Taylor Swift being there is just going to create more of this aura about the Chiefs' invincibility. So I see the Chiefs winning this thing, and I see yeah, Mahomes and, and Kelsey are the two guys. I keep going back and forth on this because San Francisco's got more superstars than Kansas City does. Kansas City's got the unbelievable quarterback and a lot of team speed on defense. It's interesting, this morning, ESPN's NFL guys, all of them, uh, they did a survey. Who's going to win? The vote was 43-15, to Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. So I'm picking the Chiefs. I think there's an awful lot of firepower. Maybe it's going to be 31-27. I think there will be some turnovers, and I think the quarterbacks uh, are probably going to have their hands full because he's a two. Pretty good defenses. Hey, we get to halftime. Our Super Bowl preview is brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. You know, there are nine locations to serve you in San Diego. These people have been in business for more than 100 years. And John and I laugh all the time about home projects, you know, kitchen <laughs> cabinets, what we're redoing with the bathroom. Are you doing something with a patio? You want to install shelving, things of that nature. And because it's winter... And because it's winter like we've never, ever experienced before, (laughs) now's the time to think about doors and windows. Because, John, you and I both know now because we both did it. Doors and windows make a difference in the winter. Yeah, they do. I mean, it keeps your house warm (laughs) and get rid of that draft. Um, Yeah, especially with SDG&E costs and everything else. We need to have, you know, good doors and windows. So Dixie Line Lumber, Home Center Stores, we like to say build it, fix it. You will enjoy it in 2024. These are the people we're talking about. And our podcast is also brought to you by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. We will all need help with our eyes sometime going forward, whether it's just a vision exam, whether it's new glasses, whether it's replace the contacts, or whether it's a major procedure, be it cataracts, be it glaucoma. You need advice. You need help. 
we want you to go to them. North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido. John, before we move into the second half, let's talk for a second about a wide selection of situations as it relates to what we offer And we're starting with Hacksaw's Insiders Group. Yeah, Hacksaw's Insiders Group is your chance to get involved, be part of the team. Go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Go there, sign up, get on our mailing list. we got a lot of great sports content that we deliver via email, and we got some great things planned for the new year. If you like sports, check my website. I write on it every day of the week. It's there first thing in the morning, every story, every sport. We cover it all, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. And by the way, want you to subscribe. Therefore, you'll get all the alerts everything, every time we put something new up on our YouTube channel. And we also want you to share. Tell your friends who we are, where we are, what we're doing with the podcast, with the written content on my website. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a five-star rating. We'll take that, too. We'll take it. John, let's go to the second half here on our Super Bowl preview. We've got news and notes around the NFL. Yeah, and we always count on you for some Chargers news. I mean, what do you, what's the latest here with uh, with the team? Well, they have now introduced the head coach, Jim Harbaugh. We talked about that last week. Now they've introduced Joe Hortiz, the new general manager who came from the Baltimore Ravens. This is now a clean piece of paper for the Chargers going forward. They are bringing in new scouts. They're bringing in new front office employees. They will bring in new players to this roster. The, the Joe Horowitz press conference was kind of cool. He answered all these diverse and different questions. Uh, you know, he'd been with the Baltimore Ravens for 26 years. That's a phenomenal amount of time with one club. It praises the stability of the Baltimore Ravens organization and why people come to Baltimore to cherry pick coaches to take them away, front office executives too. He said his role working with that guy, Jim Harbaugh, Joe Horward says, will be like Batman and Robin working together. (laughs) Yeah, it was really fun. He said Harbaugh topped the list of guys that he wanted to work with when he decided he wanted to be a general manager. He said, this is a fit. I wanted this job from the first minute they called. He said he learned a ton from Ozzie Newsom, the legendary general manager of the Ravens, and Eric DaCosta, the current general manager. He says, when you have an owner, when you have a coach, when you have a quarterback, you have a chance, a chance to play Super Bowl weekend. He's making reference to his experiences in Baltimore and what his expectation is with the Chargers. And he says, we will work every avenue to build a roster. And he said something I've never, ever heard before from any general manager and executive. He says, I'm a big fan of the compensation draft picks the NFL makes available. You know, if you have so many guys who become free agents and leave Mm -hmm. and you don't replace all of them, If you have more exit than coming in, you get draft pick compensation. Could be a third-round pick, fourth-round pick, fifth-round pick, or multiple picks in some of those rounds. It all starts after the third round. He says he's a big fan of building a chain yearly in which you get those additional third-round picks, fourth-round picks, etc. Now, that being said, let's read between the lines. That means if there's a veteran player coming up for free agency— they might let him walk, a.k.a. Austin Eckler. Mm. He's been here six years, can be unrestricted free agent. If he walks and other guys walk, they're going to get additional draft picks. And if you look at the history of the Baltimore Ravens, how they did it under Ozzie Newsom with DaCosta and obviously with Horowitz as the director of player personnel, they let guys go a year too early or two years too early. I mean, I, I sat here on the periphery and said, wow, you're letting that guy go? Or you're trading that guy? Or that guy's going to be a free agent, not going to resign? That was their game plan. 
give me those additional third-round picks because you can find gems in the third and the fourth round, or a.k.a. Brock Purdy, 232. Yeah, right. So he's a big, big fan of the compensation draft picks. He says also, be smart with who you draft. You have to be smarter about, quote, who you re-sign, who you give the second contract to. Mm. I think he's kind of making reference to the dollar value with Joey Bosa. You know, they paid a mega amount of money, the Chargers did, to extend him. But he was always hurt. Is that the right way to invest your money? So keep an eye on that. He also said something that I never paid attention to. I want to churn the bottom of the roster. I want to churn the development squad. Because that's where you find gems. That's where you find Tyreek Hill. That's where you find the guy that was drafted in the sixth round by three other teams. All of a sudden, he's yours. You develop him because you used to scout him. So there's going to be a lot of change at the bottom of this roster and developmental squad because they're going to keep bringing guys in to see if they can hit on somebody. And he says, I've been there before. I've been in salary cap hell. Baltimore's had salary cap problems. Uh, Baltimore did play AFC Championship game, right? Yeah. yeah they so did. they worked their way through yeah. all those problems so they have all that experience. And then he closed out his press briefing by saying, my whole job is to find the best player, whether I'm drafting fifth or whether I'm drafting 32nd. And I'll read between the lines there. That leads me to believe maybe he takes the Chargers' fifth pick and trades back to the 10th. Or and then trades from the 10th, maybe to the 15th, and just stockpiles more second and third round picks. So this this guy has a, a philosophy that he digested in Baltimore, which has worked for the Baltimore Ravens. So you 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 got these two guys here. You got Batman and Robin working together. It's gonna be a fascinating <laughs> offseason for Charger fans and even for Charger haters just to see what this clean piece of paper gets done. And John Riley says Well look at the AFC West and if these two guys are Batman and Robin, I think Andy Reid is the penguin, right? <laughs> and then who is Mark Davis? Maybe the Joker. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, so at any rate, uh, I love this idea of the churn at the bottom. You know who talked a lot about that? I remember Jack Welch, he was the CEO of General Electric, and he would always say, You just get rid of your bottom ten percent. And then you're always kind of replacing it because those are your, your typically your, your least performers. And it sounds harsh, but from a, a management perspective, it makes a lot of sense that you just want to have that churn. Maybe you're going to find a diamond in the rough. You find an Austin Eckler. Exactly. And I, I love the idea about stockpiling the picks, trading a little bit early. I remember the Niners did that in the 80s. And they got rid of Ronnie Lott and Jerry Rice. And we were like going, what What are you doing? But they were always trading a year or two early. And it gave that team some longevity. So this is really good. I mean, I like what I'm hearing from him. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. And the one difference, you can call this a cheap shot if you wish. That's okay. You want to throw a flag now for piling on with intent? Yeah, you can. Uh, you can't eject me from the podcast, though. Uh, the one difference is when those guys talk, those guys have won. Anything that comes out of the mouth of John, thanks for the job, Dad, <laughs> yeah. Spanos, and Dean Spanos, I set aside. Because there is no track record of success. Mm-hmm. Charger ownership is 314 and 346. Those people fired a Hall of Fame coach in Coriel, fired the Super Bowl coach in Ross, fired a 14 and 2 Marty Schottenheimer, and fired a Hall of Fame general manager, Bobby Beathard. So anything <laughs> that comes out of the mouths of anything related to Spanos, I set aside because the difference is those guys have won. They have. I mean, there's no dispute about it, you know. And penalty flag back in your pocket. Yeah. So, I mean, but will the Spanos' medal? I mean, do you think that they're going to kind of throw a monkey wrench in the system? No, because 
they have faltered so badly and the, and the team has become so irrelevant and then left behind a trail of hate from Oceanside down to the border. Big time. Big time. Uh, so they've made this right decision. I would like to say, send them an email. Congratulations. You hit the jackpot. But my, I can't forgive them for anything they did no. to 55 years of loyalty in San Diego. And no. I mean, I, I'm leaving here. I'm going to go sit on a couch and talk to psychiatrists as to why I want Justin Herbert to go 17-0 and and why I want Dean Spanos to go 0-17. But that's that's my <laughs> shortcoming. Well, just to use another <laughs> Batman reference, that's like Two-Face, right? Yeah. You know, you're like in this world of conflict, not sure how to handle the, the, the Chargers. Okay, final topic on the table. We've got something else in the NFL to talk about. Yeah, every year the, the commissioner does his State of the NFL address. Yeah, this was this was kind of weird. This uh, there's a lot of controversy in Las Vegas right now trailing about what Roger Goodell and the NFL did. They limited the press conference to invitation only. Really? The media was really up in arms. Yeah. Uh, I think they they limited it maybe to 75 because it used to be anybody who had a press credential was allowed access and have this massively big room. Now not everybody got to ask questions, but there's there's just a sentiment that the NFL is in grudge mode against the media, and they decided who to invite, quote, as our friend, and who's not going to be invited. Those have been critics. And that's really pissed off national media guys. And I've taken mm. part in those press conferences, and I got to ask two questions over the three or four uh, Super Bowls that I've covered. I mean, it's tough. There's so many people there. But at the end of the day, though, he did get broadsided with a bunch of tough questions. Um Question about what we've talked about all football season long. Yeah, you were happy to pay $5.99 to see a playoff game. That was okay. But if they took the Super Bowl to streaming, would you be happy to pay $299? Well, he said, we will never stream the Super Bowl in my lifetime. So his contract runs till 2036. Hmm. So there won't be any streaming of the Super Bowl. At least that's what came out of his mouth. Playoff packages. And, and, you know, in-season games, streaming. He says, that's where the young viewers are. We're taking our product and making sure the young viewers are getting access. Yeah, he's right. And, and they maintain that as they continue to work with Amazon and YouTube and whatever else platform they're going to wind up, Peacock in addition, he said, this thing is going to continue to grow. You have to have a starting point. And we have our starting point, what we did the first time around with the stream packages, and we think the sky is the limit. Uh, the media war. Uh, he was caught in a lawsuit deposition in which he evidently made the comment, we have to declare war on some of these people in the media. And he was asked about that. Really? Uh, he got broadsided by this one. They didn't think that question was coming. He said, I was making reference to our request for accurate reporting. Accurate reporting as it relates to concussions, the gambling problems in the league, things of that nature. I think they're peeved that there are a lot of people looking at the NFL and his leadership. John DeStai, is that the correct term? Saying what comes out of their mouth is not exactly the way they operate this franchise or yeah. operate this league. Um, he, he said, you know, you people have never reported. I'm talking about the gambling scenario. Never reported that we've suspended 13 players in two years for gambling. You've never reported the clubs have suspended 25 of their own employees for gambling. Well, we didn't know. We didn't make it available. <laughs> How are we supposed to report that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, concussions. 
big issue. And again, they're still in grudge mode that, that, that the media continues to report. The concussion settlement has still left players outside the circle who are not being taken care of. Guys who have, C, have died of CTE were not diagnosed by those doctors. There's a huge war about who is doing the investigations of the players' injuries and the reports they're filing and why they're doing what they're doing. I just read a report that there's five NFL players that have died recently. All their brains went to Boston University, all had severe CTE, yet they were not qualified by the NFL concussion group doctors that they deserve to be paid. So it's, it's still a monster issue. But he, he did say that the guardian caps that they use in preseason camp have reduced preseason concussions by 50%. Cool. They look goofy. Uh, he says at this point, there's been no move to use the guardian caps during the course of the regular season, which would add another layer of protection to the players. Granted, the helmets helmets really look weird. He said all the rules were put in place about OTAs, limits in contact workouts, banning the two-a-day workouts, how many times you can be in pads. He says this past year, we had 700 less man games lost to leg and knee and hamstring and Achilles injury, 700 man games less lost because of what we've done in off-season preparation, wow. et cetera. So that's, they're making some positives there. Referees, he says, we're striving for consistency. He defended the referees. He said, these guys are under enormous scrutiny. They have to make a decision instantly in an unbelievably fast game. But we've given them the tools, the instant replay, to try to correct if something is wrong. He stopped short of saying we're going to put a sky judge, an extra official on the booth that would give them power. Uh, Rooney rule. So the Patriots did not violate the Rooney rule. If you recall, they worked a deal with Jared Mayo, their defensive coordinator. He would be the heir apparent to Belichick. And Patriots did not interview anybody outside once they decided to part ways with Belichick. That seems to be a violation of the Rooney rule, but Goodell said... This is an African-American minority who yeah. got the head job. This was prearranged. So they filled their quota because they promoted from within. Somebody then asked him the question, what if a club has a white coordinator and they want to make this type of deal? Hmm. If point. they promoted the white coordinator, that would be a violation of the Rooney rule. Well, we didn't get an answer to that question right. from, from Goodell. So, But he said nobody's reported the fact that 51% of the hires of all clubs – and the league office, 51% of the hires in the last two years have been minorities or women. Oh. He says, we're making a lot of progress here. It's not being reported. And then he was asked about Travis and Taylor <laughs> and the NFL's power couple. Uh, and he, he said, hey, they're good for the game. She's a dynamo in terms of being an entertainer and a business person. And said, for the NFL to open up our game to her 3.2 million fans— that's good for us. Oh, yeah. And it's good for them because they're following what Travis is in and Taylor are interested in now. So it's funny. He wrapped up his press conference talking about the NFL's power couple. So that's Goodell's comments. Go ahead, John. Pick some topics that you want to talk about. Well, well first of all, I think Taylor Swift has a hell of a lot more than 3.2 million fans. It might be a billion. But I want to talk about the streaming part of it because, like, Mike, I have two children. They're in their mid-20s. Neither one of them has a cable TV package. You know, they, everything they do is streaming. They're, they watch on their computer. They watch on their device. Sometimes they'll watch on their big screen TV in their living room. But, you know, they, they streaming is the way they get their content. So he's right. That's if you want to transition to young people 
adopting the sport, you got to do it. Um, the concussion angle is another a story. I saw, was it yesterday? It was a headline that rugby players now are starting to have uh, early onset dementia. Yes. You know, when they're in their 40s. And some are wearing helmets uh, big. It's almost like the Guardian caps, but a lot don't. Yeah. So the point is, is that it's great that science is is uncovering a lot of these causes. I mean, some of it just seems rather obvious. You get hit in the head. But the 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 work that they're doing and in fact like you even said the helmets if you notice there's all those very different style of helmets that people wear and this year they're going to unveil eight different new designed helmets based on the position you play that'll give you different protection offensive linemen will have a different helmet structure than say a running back or a cornerback yeah. or a punter so it, it's technology. They've made great, great advances. Still doesn't take away from the fact that this was a cover up and this was allowed to happen <laughs> for decades upon decades. Yeah. So, I mean, those are all those are all great topics of it. You know, the, the, what's up with the international game? Uh, they're going to put a game in Brazil. Oh, nice. Yeah, Philadelphia Eagles going to play a home game. They've never played on Friday night. The NFL is going to play a opening weekend game on a Friday night in September in Brazil. Eagles are going to be the home team. They haven't named the other team. You know, so they're they're in, going to Brazil. They've done done Japan, done Tokyo and all that. Uh, obviously, they've expanded to England. Now they're playing games in Germany. Next up is going to be probably France and Spain. Um, they have played one game in Ireland. So they're just making it global, and that's cool. And they're doing it during the regular season, which those are important football games, rather than the third week of August where nobody cares because right. those guys are all going to get cut. So... I mean, the NFL is doing what baseball's done, what the NBA's done, what the National Hockey League has done. They're trying to really extend the reach globally. Yeah, I mean, how how is the NFL being adopted, um, you know, internationally? I mean, are the fans in Europe, are they like, oh, just some American game, I'm just going to watch my uh, English Premier League? No, when you have 82,000 fans at Wembley Stadium to watch the NFL game, mm-hmm. and they're all wearing NFL gear and carrying flags. No, it's an event. So for so it's not just the expats. I mean, these are like native Europeans that have adopted the sport. Yeah, and that week that Liverpool or Manchester United's not playing, we're buying beers and buying gear and buying flags and buying scarves. And we're going to be in the stands. We don't know what the hell's going on in the field, but we're going to be there. It's an event. It's a social event. <laughs> right on. Okay. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to see what it, what what the thing has become. You know, I I broadcast a game as a voice of the Chargers. We played in the Tokyo Dome, and I broadcast a game uh, in Berlin, Germany. Those were preseason games. It was just fascinating to see these fans who I don't think knew very much about the game come up, show up, and cheer, and what, tr- ask when am I supposed to cheer? And it was really, <laughs> really kind of different. But the the league has just grown by leaps and bounds, and they're, you know their their fingerprint is everywhere globally, and they're just going to continue to expand. Could, you know, we were talking about this right before you when you walked in before we started. Tell me that story again about Media Row and the Super Bowl and your experience. 1988, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was the was January of 88, the mm-hmm. Super Bowl was here. It was right after my first year as Voice of the Chargers, and I was on Extra 690. And I said, I want to take my show down to the Media Hotel, which I think was the Hyatt Regency right on the water, mm-hmm. Seaport Village. And that's where everybody was staying at that point in time. So we went to the league, and the league said, sure, that'd be okay. So we went, and we set up. They they told us, here's where you go. Come in the front door. There's a big walkway lobby. You stay in that lobby, and we'll get your phone lines put there. So there were three of us, three stations, extra 690, 
WFAN in New York, WIP Philadelphia. We wow. were the only three, first three radio stations. Now, Radio Row, 150, 200 stations. <laughs> yes. It's absolutely amazing, plus all the TV networks. And yeah. Because everybody's got their sets for the TV crews for each of the networks. And so it's fascinating just to be the first one. And occasionally you get people walk by the lobby, through the lobby, and they'd grab them and come sit here and talk to me for seven minutes. And <laughs> it was it was different. It was we were the first ones, and Major League Baseball did the exact same thing. Uh, I went to the winter baseball meetings were here in San Diego. This is when I was in Phoenix, and we came and and there were only I think there were three stations the first year I came to the winter meetings here at Town and Country, mm. and we we did three nights from the winter baseball meetings in San Diego back to KTAR in Phoenix, and now. Radio Row is kind of a fascinating thing uh, at the winter baseball meetings. And it's it's cool because it's all part of the event. Yeah, that's awesome. I love hearing these stories because you have so much to offer, so many <laughs> things that you've seen in your career. Yeah, that including Steve Young's six touchdown passes <laughs> against the Chargers in our Super Bowl game in January of 1995. But uh, what a great, great, great experience. Hey, listen, our podcast, our Super Bowl preview podcast, brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Centers, nine stores to serve you in San Diego. If you got projects for 2024, you need to talk to them. Materials, let them be your consultants and guide you. Pay a visit to Dixie Line Lumber. And by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. We're all going to need help with our eyes down road. When that time comes, or if you need help now, think North County Eye Center, Poway Escondido. John, Super Bowl Sunday. This is going to be fun. We'll be back here Monday at 1 p.m. for our Super Bowl recap. Okay, so you're picking the Chiefs. I'm picking picking the 49ers. So we'll see who wins this thing. John and I like this all the time. (laughs) Hey, we hope you enjoy Super Bowl preview. Hope you enjoy the game. We'll see you come Monday. Thanks for being part of our popular Hacksaws headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.